0: My name is Miata, and I am so thankful to be with you tonight, church. Um, we're going to be continuing um, just a collection of, t- of talks from September to November covering the book of Colossians. Um, It's Colossians is this incredible letter by the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae. And if I'm honest, and maybe if you're anything like me, um, I can say that I haven't spent that much time in the book of Colossians outside of, you know, knowing the scripture that says he was the firstborn of all creation. But as I've read and as I've studied over the last couple of days, um, a strength has been added to me that I really didn't expect. So in these days, Anything and everything that could be shaken, like this podium, has been shaken. Um, But... The word of God says in Hebrews 12, 28, we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We have received a kingdom that is unshakable. And so while everything in this culture, in this world around us is shaking, maybe even things in your own soul and heart and mind is being shaken, the only thing that's That I found that's unshakable is the Word of God and the presence of God. So that's why I'm thankful every single Wednesday, every single Sunday, we get to be refreshed and reminded that we have a solid and a steady rock and an anchor for our souls. So um, this Pastor Corey did an incredible job last week, kind of setting up this chapter for us to talk about um, the colossal gift of God that leads to a colossal hope. And it's a colossal gospel, right? Um, Jesus Christ gives us a hope that anchors us in the midst of any and every trial, um, and it produces colossal growth. I love Pastor Corey because everything rhymes and you can remember it. (laughs) But a couple of things stood out to me from his sermon. Um, And it was kind of right at the end where he talked about the super bloom. So maybe if you've been here and you heard Pastor Corey um, share this story before, please pretend like you haven't heard it before. But he shared about the super bloom in Death Valley in Arizona. Um, And I'm a super nerd. So once he started talking about like facts and stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, where is this? What is happening? And so I googled it, um, and it's really cool. So in 2016, a place known for chronic drought and death was filled with life. A valley of death was filled with water, and what came from it was all these dormant seeds bloom to life. And Pastor Corey talked about the fact that the power of the gospel does that. Where there are dead places, the gospel hits it, and there's abundant life that comes from it. Um, And then we get to this portion of, of scripture in verse 9 through 14, and Paul prays this incredible prayer for the Colossians, and he says, and I'll read it with us. So it says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. In verse 12 it says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So I wanna spend a couple of minutes with us tonight kind of exploring this thought called filled. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that we can call on you tonight. We say, "Hallowed be your name. Hollywood, holy, magnificent God. There is no one like you. None before you, none beside you. We set our eyes on you tonight and we turn our hearts' affections towards you. We say, uh, um, come and refresh us tonight, that we Trust you, Jesus, afresh tonight. So, Lord, this night is yours, and I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you are saying to us in your word. Let your word be a lamp unto our path, lighting up the darkness. Lord, I pray for every single person watching this tonight and those that will watch this in the weeks coming, that you remind them that you are everything your word says you are. You are faithful. You are constant. You are true. Jesus, your love is the greatest gift we will ever receive. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So I want to park there for a couple of moments, right at the first verse. The first verse, I'll read it again. It says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. There are so many things that jump out to me right at the top Of that scripture. The first thing is we know that in Proverbs it says um, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So, right there, we already know he's talking about the revealed um, will of God, which is Christ Jesus. The second thing I want to point out is that the Colossians had been told that they needed more knowledge and deeper wisdom beyond what they had been taught regarding the person and the work of Christ. They were being swayed to think that the gospel wasn't enough, that they needed to supplement it with other thoughts and other ways and other practices. But Paul shows them here that, yes, you do need more, but you don't need more of what you think you need. You need more of the knowledge of Christ, and they needed to be filled with true knowledge that only God and the Holy Spirit could give them. Paul is also saying here that there is a distinction between wisdom and understanding that we get from the flesh and from the world, and then there's wisdom and understanding that only comes from the Holy Spirit. So I read a quote the other day by Tim Keller, and he's talking about biblical justice, and he said this that I thought was really interesting that kind of highlights that point. He says, Christians know little about biblical justice. Despite the prominence in scriptures, this ignorance is having two effects— First, large swaths of the church still do not see doing justice as part of their calling as individual believers. Second, many younger Christians recognizing this failure of the church and wanting to rectify things are taking up one or another of the secular approaches to justice, which introduces distortions into their practice and lives fascinating, right? It's exactly what Paul was talking hundreds of years before to the the church in Colossians, which was that there's this kind of idea that the gospel is not enough. It doesn't give us enough um, information. It doesn't give, give us enough knowledge to be able to practice godliness. That we have to go outside of the world, outside of the word of God, to find things to supplement the word of God. But what we don't understand is what Tim Keller says right there, is that it actually distorts our practice and our, our mindset. But as I read this passage over and over and over again, the word that kept jumping out to me was this word called fill. So, of course, what does any millennial do? We go to Google. We we type it in Google, um, and we find out different things, but the Christian Google is Logos, so I went to Logos, and I I wanted to know what does this word fill mean in that verse, and here are some of the results. So the first thing is that fill in this verse means to fill up a deficiency, that every believer has deficiencies in his or her knowledge of the word, um, and that the the word of God actually fills those deficiencies. The second one is it to fully possess, influence, control, take over. The third one is to fill with a certain quality or character, so the character of Christ. But the one that really stood out to me and the one that I want to take some time to, to talk about um, tonight is be filled. It's the idea that we are filled full and running over. So the heretics in that day and age regularly used the word fullness. It was their claim that they were offering as a substitute or addition to the gospel and to the believer's life in Christ would bring an added fullness to life. But Paul is saying the fullness that you seek is actually a fullness of the knowledge of God that impacts everything that you do. And as I thought about this, um, this idea about filled to full and running over, I remember the other day, I, bu- I went to Target, my happy place, and I bought this this drink. It's like a sparkling water, but it's half tea and half lemonade unsweetened. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be a little bit healthier. It's going to be good. It's actually disgusting. So please do not purchase this. Sorry, Target. Um, And so what I did was I poured it in a cup and I was like, okay, I know exactly what I'll do. I'll put, I'll dilute it with something else. I'll put something else in it, like um, some sweet tea or ginger ale and it'll make the taste better. But it actually, because of the strength of the sweet tea and the strength of the ginger ale, it overpowered the strength of this drink, which I, I wanted actually. But as I was thinking about it, I thought about this passage where it says, I pray to God that you would be filled to the knowledge of his will. And it's like this illustration. So if you get a little close, this is what I was doing. I was filling my cup with a little thing, and I poured some some water in it. And then I kept pouring water in it 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 and i kept pouring water in it and i kept pouring water in it so as you can tell it's filled to overflowing so much so that it's it hit the it's hit all of this table it hit the ground it's soaking up the towel and i thought about that's the word of god for us tonight right that paul is praying for you and me that we would be filled to overflowing so much so that the water of the spirit of God would saturate every single aspect of our life. And then the scripture goes on to say that we would live a life worthy of our calling, that we would bear fruit, that we would grow in the knowledge. How, what I love about this is that it has nothing to, to do with striving. It's about abiding. So the more that I stay under the presence and the word of God, the more that it touches every single thing in my life. Look at that. It touches every single thing, and there's nothing that it doesn't touch. We can live a life worthy of the calling of God simply because the Spirit of God fuels our life and empowers us to do that righteously. So I think about Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12, and it says, Ezekiel had this vision of the river of God that flows from the temple of God. And in this scripture, it says that every single place the river of God flowed to was birth to life. So the Dead Sea, where no, nothing can grow, became fresh water, where fish teeming with life were filled in there. It touched the Dead Sea. It touched all of the trees that lined this river, and all of those trees, their leaves were good for healing and for food. Why? Because they were rooted and touched by the living power of the Spirit of God. So Paul is saying, if we know that, that the knowledge, the revealed knowledge will of God, which is the work and the person of Christ, is more than enough. That means we need to stay rooted to that spirit, because that's the only thing that will produce life and life more abundantly in us. Kind of like what Pastor Corey talked about, the super balloon, Death Valley, a valley known for dryness and, de- and death and drought because of the filling Of the rain, the water, this valley was filled with life. It's the same thing for you and I. The rain of the presence of God, the rain of the word of God, fills the deadness of our souls. Not just enough but to overflowing, so much so that it touches every single aspect of our life, from our character to our giving to our lifestyle to the way that we approach. Every single aspect of our life is touched by the presence of God if we will only stay rooted, if only we would stay under the presence of God. So when I'm filled with more anxiety than peace, it's because I filled up on anxiety and peace. When I'm filled with more anger and short-sightedness, demanding my own way than love or preferring others, I realize I'm not full enough of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. I haven't let the knowledge and the wisdom of God fill me up to overflowing so that it pushes out that anger, it pushes out that anxiety, it pushes out that um, peacelessness and restlessness, and it fills me with a love that prefers others. It fills me with respect. It fills me with patience. It fills me with truth and empathy and compassion. I realize that wherever I've lacked, it's because I haven't been filled to overflowing with Christ. And when I'm full of myself, I bear the fruit of myself, right? Which is prone to burnout and resentment and hopelessness and complaining and weariness. But when I'm filled With the power and the Spirit of God, there's abundant life, there's joy, there's endurance, there's thanksgiving, right? There's patience, there's hope, there's all the fruit of the Spirit, but it's because I'm not filled with myself. I'm filled with the knowledge of the will of God. Um, Jackie Hill Perry says, A me-centered life will always lead to corruption and corrosion, but a God-centered life will lead to strength, endurance, joy, and thanksgiving because it's his power in us that f- that is the fuel behind all of our Christian efforts because he is able to keep us and to present us. So he keeps us from falling, and he presents us blameless in his blood. You see, the fruit of being filled Continually to overflowing with the knowledge of the will of God, spills out into everything and saturates everything it touches. And the natural byproduct of a life saturated in the knowledge and the work of Jesus Christ is a life worthy of the Lord that pleases Him in every way, that bears fruit and grows. So I love this visual in verse 10, but it's kind of of a tree. So we've all seen a tree and, um, It talks about bearing fruit and growing, which is like a tree. Um, And the very important principle in life is that the root and the trunk. There's no way that a tree will grow or bear fruit without what it's connected to. We've all seen those trees that have rotted and start to tip over. They have no root system anymore. They're not connected to water. But the trees that we see that grow up in strength and start blooming on their blossoms is not because a branch itself says, I want to bloom. No, it's because, <laughs> it's because of the wisdom that's coming from its root system that says it's time for you to bloom. And not only will you bloom, you won't bloom on your own power. It's the power that you're getting from your root systems in the water that you're connected to. So the product of the Spirit's work in us moves us to action. It impacts our giving and our service to others. Um, I love that the early Christians were called Christians as a derogatory thing. So, you know, like, I think it's so funny that it's become so beautiful to be called a Christian. But back in the day when the disciples lived, it was derogatory. And the reason why they said that is because it means little Christ. So everywhere these other people went, it'd be like, oh, there goes the little Christ acting just like him, doing everything like him. But I love that because that's the power of knowing more about God and having him saturate every single part of your life is because he doesn't even have to physically be there, but his representatives act just like him every single where that they go. So people are recognizing him, even though they have different accents, even though they look different, they're recognized by their behavior, by the fragrance that comes off of their life. Why? Because they've been near him for a long time. They've been saturated in his presence for a long time. So moving away from from him doesn't change the fragrance that comes off of their life. And I think that's the same thing for you and I tonight. Um, it's not about striving, it's about abiding. And the natural byproduct of abiding is a life worthy of the calling of Jesus. So the second part of verse 9, it talks about wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Pastor Corey talked about the tendency of the human soul um, so eloquently last week. He said, we, we tend to exchange the cross for a ladder or exchange the table of intimacy and fellowship for a desk of work. But I really believe that the knowledge of God, who he really is, is what keeps us tethered to the right things, when we lose sight of who He is and what He has done, and um, the life that He's breathing in us and through us, we get tethered to the wrong things. We start thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work for a relationship instead of just sitting down at the table that He's already prepared. Oh, I'm gonna climb this ladder instead of receiving." the redemption that he's already paid for with his stretched arms, right? But when we see him rightly, when he's rightly exalted in his right place, which is the knowledge of his will, we're tethered to the right things, not thinking that I can get my way to God, but that he came and was God with us and provided the sacrifice for us. Um, But right here, it talks about Wisdom and understanding. So this this definition that I love of biblical wisdom, it says, Wisdom is the God-given ability to see life with rare objectivity and to handle life with rare stability. But the knowledge of God as he is revealed in the word is always the root of wisdom and its effects. The only way that I'm able to handle the shaking that's happening in our culture, the shaking that's happening in the school system, the shaking that's happening everywhere is only when I'm rooted to the knowledge of God. Because that's the only thing that's unshakable, right? It's the reverence of him that provides wisdom for us. So I wear glasses these are fake because I have my contacts on, but uh, <laughs> these are blue light glasses. But the, cr- the crazy thing is that in my regular life, when I don't have my glasses on, I can only see, like, my hand in front of me. But my glasses provide clarity for my eyes, and they magnify the things that are further away so they look like they're closer. That is what biblical wisdom and understanding of the knowledge of God does. It's like putting on glasses when you're blind, and it corrects your eyesight, one, thank you God, and it magnifies the things that are far off. And sometimes without our glasses of the gospel, without the knowledge of his will, we can take that off and we'd be looking at the world blind. And we're shaken and we and honestly, if I don't have someone to help me, I cannot see. But when I put these glasses on, I can see clearly. I understand the depth of space between me and Pastor Tellis. I understand where the A V booth is when with my glasses on. But when I don't have the glasses on, I don't even know that he's waving at me. Okay. Anywho, so that's the that's the word of God. Um, And then this scripture ends with this kind of, it seems like a peculiar verse that doesn't make any sense, but it says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. All this is possible, living a life that's worthy of the calling, bearing fruit and growing, because this is the inheritance of those that have been transferred from darkness into light. Because we belong to God, our life is filled with abundance and not death. Because we belong to God, we can walk through shaky places and not be shaken ourselves. Because we be- This is the inheritance of those that have been transferred to the kingdom of light away from the kingdom of darkness. I love that. That's exactly what it is. It's this knowledge that only comes from the Spirit that allows us to do these things. It's the power of Christ that transforms us, that imbues us, that propels us, and sustains us. It's not our own power. It's not our own knowledge. It's not our own goodness we can muster up. It's the power of Christ that has moved us from darkness to light. And I think we always need that reminder, which is why I feel like it's at the base of this prayer Paul wanted to remind them again, the gospel cannot be supplemented. It's not Jesus plus, it's Jesus only. And that it's not only enough, but it's more than enough for you to live the abundant life that you want to live. And you may be um, hearing whispers of, oh, if I just do it that way, if I just go over there and do it that way, it's not gonna lead to life. That's what the kingdom of darkness does. The kingdom of light produces life. The kingdom of light produces patience and abundance and thanksgiving, as he goes on to say. Um, And that's what these group of scriptures are saying to us. It's saying that this is the power of the working of the gospel and the spirit in the believer's life. Not from our own power, but because We are filled to overflowing with the knowledge of Christ's work and of his person. It touches everything else in our life. not, Not only does it touch it, it saturates it. So we become different. We are transferred from darkness into light. And as I conclude, um, I was listening to this podcast the other day by Carrie Newoff and Daniel Strickland, um, which is amazing. So if you get a chance to listen to it, I hope you do. But she talks about um, what she's kind of included in her daily prayer practice, prayer time. Um, And I think this really exemplifies what I believe Paul was saying to the people in Colossae and for you and I. um, And if you want to steal it, go ahead, it's fine. Um, She holds her fists up in the air and she says, Lord, my natural posture is to fight for myself and to make something happen. But I choose to hold my hands up like this and surrender because it's not about me, it's not about what I know or what the world knows. It's about what, who you are and what you know. So I freshly surrender myself to your wisdom and your knowledge and your goodness to flow through my life. And then she does this, she says, she holds her fist out in front of her. And she says, my natural posture is to keep, to hold back, to hang on, to pull to myself, but I choose a posture of generosity. Because I've received from you freely, I will give freely. The power of the knowledge of who you are and what you have redeemed me from and to flows through my life, and I pray that it impacts every single aspect of my day today. It's this idea that the life we long to live cannot be lived apart from him. It can't be lived partially in him. And every day, we have to come freshly to the word of God and the person of Jesus and say, fill me to overflowing. Fill me to overflowing with the knowledge of you, Jesus, of the work that you've accomplished on the cross. Fill me to overflowing with your wisdom and understanding. It's not a wisdom of the world. It's a wisdom from your spirit that I may know how to live my day out for your glory, that I may know how to give for your glory, that I may know how to love for your glory, that I may know how to have compassion and generosity for your glory. And God, I know that this is not done by my own power, but it has to be fueled by your spirit. Lord, I want a life to be filled with you that by Christ, in Christ, and because of Christ, nothing else will do. So will you pray with me tonight? God, I thank you that you are more than enough for us. God, every single place that the world tries to tell us to supplement your wisdom and your understanding with something of the world, God, we say no to that. We return to you, Jesus, and say, fill us up to overflowing because only your ways and only your um, spirit will do for us. God, we want to be a people like the disciples in the old day that wherever we go, they say, hey, you're different. You're a little Christ. You smell like him. You act like him. You love like him. You're compassionate like him. You do justice like him. God, we want to be a people filled to overflowing with the knowledge of you. So much so that wherever we go, God, we carry your fragrance. We carry your life. We carry the abundance of who you are. And Lord, we freely give it away to everyone around us. So if you're joining us tonight and you have, you have no idea what it's like to live a life fueled By anything other than yourself. And you find yourself at the end of yourself. (laughs) You know, in Psalms it says, To all creation I can see a limit, but your commands are boundless and have none. So if you found yourself at the end of yourself, good news, that's where God begins. He's boundless and has no limitations. And when you fill your heart, you surrender your heart, like we, we prayed at the end and say, My natural position is to keep and to take and to fight for myself, but I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of keeping for myself. I need someone who will fight for me. Then this is your moment. God is more than enough for you, He's boundless, He's limitless. He is Emmanuel, God with us, who fights for us. So let's surrender our hearts to him tonight. And if that's you, let's pray this prayer. God, I surrender my heart to you. I've lived too long on my own power and I'm out of it. I have none. And I'm realizing tonight that you are boundless and have no limitations and the strength and the wisdom and the power that I seek that doesn't just end with myself, that goes beyond me, is only found in you, Jesus. So I surrender my life to you. I give you my all. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you are a believer, I want to encourage you to read the Bible every day. As Pastor Brett says all the time, stay under the presence and the word of God. Because it's that spigot that's ever flowing and never turns off that will fill you to overflowing. Those places that you feel dead, like the, like the death valley, was filled with water. What is water but the presence and the word of God? and it turned those dormant things that were dead alive so if you feel like you are dry that you're in the middle of a dead thing i want you to get under the presence of god and stay there until you're filled to overflowing until life starts springing out from your heart and your soul You can read Colossians with us. Come week after week after week and get under the presence of God because he has life and life more abundantly for you. So I love you, church. We're so thankful that you're with us. Um, Yeah, get connected to us. We love you and we'll see you next week.